Yum Tab. Hey, everybody. It's Yum Tab. <laughs> well, good morning or welcome <laughs> or something. It's good afternoon, I guess. This is what time it is now. I just threw you off so yeah. much. I was like, I don't know. I was like, yeah, how many more times yum. can I say yummy <laughs> without you completely <laughs> looking at me like I'm insane? Not that I'm uh, The answer not, was two. The answer was two. <laughs> the answer was two. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, today we have Simone and Nicoletta um, here from the podcast Sluts and Scholars. And holy crap, they are delightful and divine and intellectual beasts who are super knowledgeable about um, sex and sexuality. And um, Nicoletta is a marriage and family therapist with an emphasis on sex and sexuality. And... um, Simone is in law school, um, but also has a focus on reproductive justice and was a, an abortion doula, which is very cool. Um, yeah, I, man, I just, they were really, really wonderful. It's interesting because I think there's lots of times when we have uh, guests on that have like a professional experience and background. And then we have guests that have very unique upbringings yeah. um, and their own personal journeys to share. And then today they kind of had both like yeah. oftentimes we'll have both but like I think it was just really interesting to hear like the depth of the personal experience but also how that has uh, shaped the direction that they want to take their professional lives and it was really cool yeah yeah and th- I mean they're really articulate and yeah. and able to just really articulate exactly what their experience was and to, to put words to it which I think is a skill in of itself um, but it's also cool being able to speak to to women too who have a podcast in this space have been doing it for a couple of years with success. Mm-hmm. Um, and to just sort of talk about like what that experience is like, because it, it's new to me and I don't know very many other people in this space personally. And so it was just cool getting to hear like their journey and how, you know, they've been experiencing it and how it's changed them, um, how it's changed over the course of actually producing the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I liked it. I like them. Yeah. I want to be like real friends. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll update you. Yeah, if I'm cool enough. <laughs> um, in other news, I'm going to Peru. Yeah, um, which is exciting. Yes. You're, you're leaving in a couple days. Yeah. Um, it is my first solo uh, international trip that I've ever taken. And... Are That's you excited? Nuts. I'm so excited. I'm so nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also a different trip than I've ever embarked on as well because I usually bring a huge, not a huge suitcase, but I pack it chock full of shit. So we went to Thailand yes, three I was years ago-ish. Three years yeah, ago, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was me and two of our friends yeah. and you and the three of us did not check bags, but... You well, did. it was three dudes, yes. first oh, yeah, of all. Sure, I was the only sure. lady. I'm not shaming. I'm just fine. showing. Like, but yeah, yeah, I totally, I brought a huge suit. I didn't bring a huge suitcase, but I packed it really full. Mm-hmm. And I was the only one that checked baggage. And I didn't end up wearing half of the stuff because I bought all this amazing clothing in yeah, Thailand. Sure. And so I feel like that's similar experience here. But this was purposely a bare bone sort of yeah. my whole like looking at it was like i'm not gonna bring that much makeup i'm not gonna bring hair stuff like i'm really gonna do the most limiting amount that i can just so that i can experience the place and so traveling alone and doing it that way i'm like shitting my pants (laughs) and it's like it's very interesting because i'm having to really um 
set aside a lot of my ego of mm-hmm. like looking really good all the time. Not that I do necessarily, but like putting emphasis on that of like, you know, taking photos and looking good or like planning, you know, yeah. I don't know, just aesthetics being the most important thing and really taking the emphasis off of that. And that is a struggle for me. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how yeah. that works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. To and yeah. to like meet new people in that space yeah or try to i don't know i always get scared that i'm never gonna make friends which never happens but that's like one of my biggest fears you almost i think everyone's in that space where they like want to meet somebody to hang out with for a couple of days while you're in the same spot totally i'm sure you want and i'm in a hostel with with like multiple you know tons of people which i've also never done so i've done it once yeah. But it was like a hostel in D.C. But yeah. anyways, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited. So um, I cool. hopefully won't die. And yeah, I'll if you come back. If, if you do, then this will probably be one of the last episodes. So. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, <laughs> um, But on that note, enjoy this rocket episode. <laughs> I'm feeling yummy head to toe. You see me. Welcome to Finding My Yum. (laughs) Um, We have Sluts and Scholars podcast aficionados here, Simone and Nicoletta. Uh, We're also doing it remotely. So Simone is in New York on the computer and then Nicoletta is here, which is the first time we've ever done that. So I feel like we just deserve a round of applause for even pulling this off right here. Yeah. Also, we're very into encouraging people having firsts. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'd love (laughs) to hear, um, just like introduce yourselves because you guys have a million awesome credits and I I want you guys to say them because they're so... Well, the the cheesy thing we always say at the beginning of ours is, well, I'm Nicoletta and I'm a marriage family therapist and sexologist. And then Simone would say, I'm Simone, (laughs) Nicoletta's friend. (laughs) And I just really like to talk about banging. <laughs> but also, uh, I am a law student. I used to be an actor. And I have a focus on reproductive justice. Oh, amazing. How do you focus on reproductive justice? Is that a niche? Oh, it's not like an official academic oh, that's focus. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. It's like why I went to law school. And I, I used to be very involved in reproductive justice in a more direct care sense. Like I'm an abortion doula. And I used to be a clinic escort and that sort of stuff. Oh, um, And then I was like... How can I also have an impact? Like, how can I make my hobby my job? And I was like, I'll go to law school. Oh, that's amazing. Is there, so are you looking to represent women um, and in order to, like, maintain their rights or make sure that their rights are available to them? Yeah, so reproductive justice is the framework of ensuring that everyone has access to the reproductive health care that they need you know whether or not that's pregnancy care abortion care contraceptive care but also recognizing that or how pregnancy and parenting are used as a tool to control people and kind of trying to dismantle that both through legal means advocacy means political means whatever oh amazing and then nicoletta so you have your own private practice and then do you see, is there a particular focus of um, people that you see or is it uh, all over the spectrum? Yeah, so my general license is marriage family therapist just because I like needed a licensure to, to practice as a therapist. Mm-hmm. But I always wanted to focus on sex and sexuality, like sex therapy, essentially. Um, most therapists only get like one class, if at all, on human sexuality. But I've just made it a focus of my career and getting like extra training and extra credentials like in that realm. So right now, I wouldn't say I have like a particular 
niche, uh, but it's like anything sex related. So I see couples and individuals, everything relating from couples who have like mismatched sex drives that they're struggling mm. with to people exploring kink or non-monogamy, uh, people who have never had an orgasm, folks struggling with their um, the size of their genitals, yeah, um, people sure. who have had trauma. It, it's like pretty much runs the gamut. So I, I'm still figuring out if there's like a particular niche, but for me, it's like regular therapy. It's just, we actually talk about sex. Right. I was wondering, is there a particular like method that you use or like a lens in particular that you utilize in your sessions that's a little bit different or like how do you get in with these different clients and with these different topics that come up? I think if I had to generalize it, my approach is just like a, a no shame mm-hmm. approach. So for me, if something is consensual and risk aware, then it's fine. Yeah. And so I really like to help people figure out how to enjoy what they enjoy creatively in a consensual risk aware way that doesn't make them feel like shit about themselves yeah (laughs) absolutely gosh doesn't that sound like a dream (laughs) i mean that's what you're doing right it's like finding your yum yeah absolutely the phrase is like don't yuck my yum or whatever so i i think that's my approach um to people and and it's also an educational kind of social justice perspective as well i think for a while therapy was supposed to be, you know, like the Freudian style of like someone just like nodding on a couch and not having any perspective. Yeah. Um, and so I think therapy is changing with everything that's going on in our world. So I really include like an educational social justice component um, to the work that I do because yeah. I think it's important when we're talking about sex and how it relates to the broader culture. Yeah, the actual larger conception of, I feel like even how we treat our bodies and like the mind-body connection is so severed. Um, that's one thing we I really talk about here is like, I feel like a lot of us are walking around as severed heads and we're really not like connecting between like our sexual, like orgasmic, erotic pe- person and our mind. Just disembodied. Yeah. I've seen yeah. Nicoletta give a whole class on mindful masturbation. <laughs> how was it? It was fucking amazing. Thank you. Every time I jill off, I'm just like, I am so in my body <laughs> and present. <laughs> well, no, but that's really cool. That's yeah. like why Nicoletta's practice is so interesting because she really does um, juxtapose things that are not normally necessarily found in therapy and is like part of a really rad sex ed, sex therapist. Yeah, group. I found that the, the profession is changing like quite a bit. I just even listened to a podcast about positive psychology and about emphasizing what's working as opposed to focusing on what's not working. Like and strength-based. Yeah, um, yeah, instead of like weakness-based. And it's such a tiny click in like a different approach, but it's it does seem pretty monumental to even just like clicking into something else or like getting into a different energetic capacity before you delve into something that's like triggering or upsetting or whatever. You're like in a more grateful space of, oh, these things are working. Like some my life isn't total shit, you know? Yeah, I think it's a it's a fine balance. Like if I had someone coming in, I wouldn't immediately say like, well, you know, there's starving kids in Africa, so you should probably just like get over it and be happy with what totally. you have. Because I probably <laughs> wouldn't have that many clients. And yeah. <laughs> I sure. think it's important to look at, like you said, what's what's going well and, and creating a narrative around strength because it's we do such a good job repeating the narrative of the things we're doing poorly. Yeah. And that can really take hold in our souls. Yeah, absolutely. And like way, way down, way more than the 
one, you know, a couple of positive things. But um, so I'd love to hear just about the podcast and how you both of you started. How did you meet? We met on another Facebook group for women and there was um, like a pop up art gallery for it wasn't Charles Manson's art, but it was like Charles Manson themed art. <laughs> um, cool. So we were supposed to carpool and then we didn't. But then we hung out afterwards and um, then we became friends and um, kind of became intertwined in one another's lives. And then we had this like what we called like a queer women's bachelor viewing uh party where we would watch the bachelor but basically it was just an excuse to like drink wine and hang out with our friends and yeah queer feminist bachelor watching group yeah <laughs> thinking that we were performing deconstructions but really just hook line and sinker yeah we were literally <laughs> just eating tacos and drinking wine and yelling at the tv sure so as one should do when they watch the bachelor uh, a side note have you watched are you the one not this yet season of mtv it's a sexually fluid the first ever um, oh, I have heard about this. It's Maybe I'll get into reality TV again. It's fucking amazing. We just had one of the uh, contestants on or the, you know, people on and it was it's so cool. Anyway. Is this one where they like pair people and you have to like. Yeah, you have to find your perfect match and there's I a have watched that. monetary incentive, but they're all very emotionally. And there's a room with a just a giant bed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that seems fun. Yeah. It's like a giant <laughs> sex party. <laughs> Yeah, we got to we got to change our our viewing schedules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, we met in that yeah. group and um I wanted to start a a podcast to just reach a wider audience and then um Simone so graciously uh offered to be my first guest and then we, oh, we like cool. had a good a good vibe and we were like let's just do this together. Nice. And so the initial impetus for it was it to get more clients or to just spread sort of like reproductive social justice, feminism, feminist views, the gospel, the gospel. Yes. And to also sort of spread like the way that you, you sort of um, operate during therapy and like the methodology and also the educational aspects of it. Uh, I mean, I can't speak for Simone, but for me it was many fold. I think one was, yes, I wanted to, as I was like building a private practice and working on getting my license, I did want to have another outlet to sort of reach audiences, not just to like gain clientele, but to become, um, I don't know, more of like an expert in the field, I guess, and, sure. and just to network and connect with other people in a sexuality space and have conversations. I think another level was to, to reach a wider audience. And then probably the most important one was just to have like frank, candid conversations about shame-free sexuality sure um and hope that by modeling that we could help other people and was that when you decided when you guys decided to do it together did you have a particular idea of what you wanted to accomplish going in um so I don't have the professional angle that Nicolette is coming from I have just always been someone who really enjoys talking about sex and both in terms of like it's fun for me but also I think destigmatization is really important and I just have really enjoyed the conversations that Nicoletta and I have always had together and that I've had with a lot of my peers and I've often been the person or a person that people come to to talk about relationship and sex stuff and just in like a non-judgmental way I think that's in part my doula stuff as well and yeah it's just been really rewarding to keep having these conversations and to really expand my arsenal of knowledge because Nicoletta has this incredible network of sex ed people and so I just learned so much from the podcast both about human sexuality generally my own 
sexuality, like how to communicate about sex. I just really, you know, I'm along for the learning experience. I'm the, I'm a scholar. I'm also a slut, but I'm deaf a scholar. <laughs> I think the main theme too at the beginning for me, which is like what inspired the title, was I was getting a lot of pushback from mainstream therapists, but also from like teachers I had had mm. and even like sexuality programs that I was like too open or too I talked about sex too much oh uh, and yeah that it like wasn't okay and that I should be careful and um I don't know just a discomfort with like general therapists or health people and so for me I was like well I have all these not that you need to have degrees and things to take ownership and be like a scholar of your own sexuality but for me it was like I've done all these things to show that like I know what I'm talking about yeah. and I feel competent in this field. So why does it matter that I'm adding this sexuality thing to me? Like that's the whole reason I want to do this. Sure. Like why can't you be a slut and a scholar? One or the other is also fine. Um, but why can't yeah, you why have can't both you be of a those? Full embodied human being. Yeah, exa- yeah like, exactly. It's multifaceted. Exactly. It's it's so confusing. I feel like as a woman too I find that there's this dichotomy as well that we foster of like you're either a slut or you're you know the pure virginist and that there's not really anywhere in between where you can just own all of your sexuality and be a sexual person all the time like we're supposed to like almost put that in a box and put it away and then the other issues are whatever they are Right. I mean, I th- mm. I mean, especially for women, but for anyone. So whether it's Absolutely. like a politician yeah, yeah. and what they do in the Oval Office or you know, yep. uh, <laughs> sure. there's uh, lots of overlaps. But like you said, I think a whole embodied human also includes sexuality, even if you're not having sex. And so to just eliminate that from the conversation or from mental health or health profession is bullshit, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Because we're sexual beings that naturally want to touch other people <laughs> yeah or not but then like let's talk about that too. right totally yeah absolutely um or just like think about really weird things yeah are you thinking you know. about weird things right now <laughs> I'm thinking about what weird things I could think about <laughs> have you ever seen the show sex education yeah I've seen the first episode there's this um amazing character who's in high school and she's sort of like the weirdo but she's like so focused on having sex but she creates all of these amazing insane awesome beautiful stories about like aliens penetrating other people and like having this crazy weird sex and it's it's awesome it's It's like the best thing ever and I'm like I want more characters like this on screen yeah yeah there's another character who like learns how to self-pleasure yes like around her room like figuring it all out and then tells her partner like here's how I want it and he's like receptive to it and it's really great yeah I mean I so this is why everyone's telling me to watch yeah Yeah. you have to watch it not just because it's like about sex it's like about sex in a good way I'm surprised you have it this is like essential this is essential Essential scholars homework exactly Um, well I watched the first episode there's just so much content I want to consume that I just haven't had time for law school sucks Jerry I get it I I also I love Jillian Anderson but she has terrible boundaries on that show so I don't want people to think that sex therapists are all like Jillian Anderson <laughs> and like oh that's funny go through Absolutely. their son's You're like right. jizz towels but you know <laughs> there's uh <laughs> there's a line but I really like what the show is doing and 
she's not what a sex therapist should be. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, she also looks fucking hot. Oh, like, yeah, she's I feel so like they hot. didn't let her look as hot on X-Files. And I was like, what oh, happened? Oh, how dare you? Yeah. I love the X-Files. Oh, did you? Uh, does she look as pretty on it, though? She's, all, she's just... She's pretty. She's gorgeous. She's always. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit... I'd like to come back to how things have evolved through the podcast and through even, like, you know, becoming really public with your thoughts and feelings and talking about this stuff. Because I know it's traumatically traumatically uh, not dramatically <laughs> dramatically <laughs> i know <laughs> dramatically and not but um but it's really changed me quite a bit um but i'd love to hear like a little bit more of how you even decided you wanted to become a marriage and family therapist and then uh, like more about your journey to um simone about like being a doula an abortion doula as well because i actually have not heard that title before and that seems incredibly special and such a holy crap job like <laughs> thank you for your service like that's amazing <laughs> take it take it away Simone. Yeah. no you had your question first Either okay one. um well I grew up in LA uh-huh. and I had a great therapist growing up who I still see so we've been she's my longest relationship wow. that, I've, that I've had <laughs> Um, How you know, long? 15, 15 years pretty That's much and strong. Phenomenal. I mean, I have seen other people d- to sure. do adjunct things. I think it's important to get fresh perspectives, but she's like, I have know. shrink envy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have, we have a good I do rapport. too, quite honestly. Well, she, she's actually in the, um, the field of like sexuality and dating stuff as well. Um, oh, her okay. name's Dr. Jen Mann. Uh, and she used to do a show on VH1 called couples therapy. And she has a great book called like the relationship fix. And, oh, cool. um, Hey, Dr. Jen, if you're listening. Uh, so sorry. Once I just have a question about the VH1 show. <laughs> Did you see her on VH1 and tell your mom I want her? Is that how you ended up with her? No, my my parents found her before she had a show or before I was like twelve okay. or however old. Um, so I had no idea what I was getting into. I wasn't sure I wanted to do therapy. I didn't want to go to therapy. Um, so I basically used to just go and like complain about my parents um, sure. until I really like leaned into other stuff I needed to talk about. Um, so that's how I originally got into like caring about mental health but my parents were pretty open um talking about sex like Simone and I have explored this on some past episodes where we had our moms on you did whoa yeah and future called the mom cast it's a great fucking episode and stay tuned maybe we'll have our other parent some someday um but I think my dad is thirsty to be on the podcast I know her her dad like really wants it yeah really Oh well, man. I put the idea in his head, and now he's like, are we recording it? And he like comes up with these very elaborate topics that are like overly cerebral. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so I kind of like Simone, I became the person who like people would come and talk to about sex, I think, because my parents had been pretty supportive of me. And so I would always ask the questions in like sex education class. And so I knew I wanted to do something with, with mental health, and in part inspired by the therapy that I was doing. And I think what really, like, two things that really, like, hammered it in for me, not so literally. Uh, one was I had had a former... <laughs> Could be literally, too. My, my siblings had a babysitter um, in high school. And she told me that when she was in high school, she wouldn't have sex with someone unless they went and got tested and they, like, talked about their test results. And that was, like, I thought that was a really cool idea. And so then I started doing that like later in high school and, and since then. And no one I knew was like doing anything like that. I think when did now you it's start first having sex? 
Uh, well, I think I, we've really expanded the definition of sex sure. now, but if we're talking like penetration, it was like senior year in high school, okay. but I had been doing other things, but I would say I probably started this like, um, maybe like sophomore year of high school. Okay. So even if it wasn't penetration, it was like for other things too. Yeah. Cause even for anything sexual, like I didn't really start until my like, uh, junior and senior year of college. Like I was like a pretty late bloomer. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking like self pleasure, that was like birth. Oh, then I was out of the womb. Yeah, exactly. Clip, but yeah. Um, so I was like rubbing myself when I came out. Of That's <laughs> yeah, definitely true. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, and when the doctor say, when the doctor spanked know. me, I was like, "Yes, daddy, thank you." <laughs> That's so fucked up, but I love it. Um, <laughs> I You're think that should be blush, and I like shit. never blush. <laughs> so anyway, I started doing that, and then probably the second thing was when I was in college, I, I had this partner, and um, I remember we were, I don't know, just starting to date and like getting physical, and he was doing something that I like wanted done differently, and I said something like, "Oh, I really like when you do it this way," and he said, "I know what I'm doing." <laughs> Oh, sure. and I was like, no, like, okay, this is enough. Like we need this. So I, then I worked at like the sexual health resource center where we would, um, people could come get free condoms and buy toys and get like peer, uh, like sex ed advice. Oh. Um, and I just knew I had to keep doing something with that. So then I did a sex column, um, in oh, the paper. Where um, people would ask questions or you would just explore a particular topic? Both. Oh, cool. Uh, so sometimes it would be interviews. Sometimes it was Q&A. Other times it was just stuff that I wanted to talk about or like call out people who had done like shitty things to me. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't name names, but when they were reading, they knew it was them. Um, like one guy who told and of me. Of course they were reading it. Yeah. Like one guy who like non-consensually like peed on me in the shower and then told me he could see my cellulite. Yeah. Called him out. He was my TA. Um, oh, he deserves to be. Oh yeah. Out. Oh yeah. So. Oh man. That, I also, it, it also wonder like where people get these ideas of like yeah. this is acceptable behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So power. Yeah. yeah. Sure. That all kind of fit together, and then as soon as I went to my master's program, I was like reaffirmed that like no one else was talking about sex because I was like the sex person, and everyone else was like you know kind of clutching their pearls. Sure. Not everyone, but it was like <laughs> we had one class. Everybody um, had pearls. Yeah, <laughs> everyone had pearls. <laughs> I did go to Pepperdine. Yeah. Um, it's pearly. So I was really going to say did. that. I didn't want to be. No, the grad school is not religious. I loved my experience there, but I was like, we need more sex stuff. And is the grad the grad school is it religious? No. Oh, I, I mean, I think you that. can include a component of that if, if you'd you like. Want to. Um, and I had like a, a nun's outfit. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but I had a good experience there, but I wanted I wanted more. Um, so then I ended up going to get another master's in human sexuality and continue my training in that. And now I've just seen like how ill-equipped most therapists are to talk about sex. Yeah. In part, I'm grateful because then I get a lot of referrals from my colleagues who are like, I can't talk about You're sex with my client, <laughs> yeah. but I, I want to empower other therapists to get comfortable to talk about it themselves because I think... I think it's like false advertising to label yourselves as a marriage and family therapist and you like aren't going to talk about sex. Yeah. Is that exactly. true? Like that's actually what happens? Yes. Like people meet with MFTs and there's like no, like I don't. I mean, if they can I, hold sorry, space I just, for it and, and the couple is, un- is uncomfortable as well, I would imagine. Yeah. Like if you don't want to talk about that, then it doesn't get talked about. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously not not all therapists, not all MFTs, uh, not all social workers, whatever. But um, by and large, it seems like something that most folks haven't had conversations with themselves about. So they haven't Absolutely. gained insight about their sex. And then they only had mm. one class. So like there's things that I feel ill-equipped to deal with because I haven't had more training. And I'll refer those people out. But it's just sex seems like a thing that is so intertwined in life that there should be more training yeah an opportunity opportunity to discuss and and in a shame-free environment because i think that that's very difficult to cultivate as well mm-hmm. uh just in terms of like your exploration with like sexual identity and gender expression uh, i imagine growing up in la it's a little bit more liberal here um and because you said you had more accepting parents like did did you what was that experience like and has that been enhanced by like your exploration of being able to talk with other people and like studying it and getting more like anatomical facts and understanding? I mean, I think I have a lot of privilege. Like I'm a, I'm a cisgendered, um, I I would label myself as, as queer, I guess, but I am like, I don't know. I don't even like to have a label on it, but I do have a lot of like privilege in terms of having my parents support and, um, just what I have access to. And so I think that gave me space to be able to like explore. So even if I did things that were like taboo, I I think I've always had sort of like a fuck, fuck the man attitude (laughs) of like, Oh, this isn't allowed. Like, let me, let me do the opposite. Yeah. Um, but I have had privilege that I've had like a supportive family to, to fall back on or, um, yeah, just privilege. So I think I never really felt limited Mm. in a lot of ways yeah and that gave me a lot of freedom so I would like to help other people navigate that even especially the folks who haven't had the privileges that I've had yeah absolutely awesome no that that makes that yeah what you said about like like fuck the man like really resonated with me like that's also how I got involved in this sort of space Mm. in that I went to a catholic university Uh uh-huh I mean and so I, 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 like Nicoletta, had very much grown up being the person that people talked about sex with. Like, I was the one explaining tampons to my friends in third grade. Like, somebody had a question about something, they would ask me to ask my parents. Like, I remember one time I, someone was in a chat room and they told me to ask my parents what wet pussy meant. And so I went and I was like, Mommy and Papa, what does wet pussy mean? And they literally laughed and they were like, oh, come on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then I didn't. Anyway, that's a side note. But so I, oh, I want to have that relationship when I have a kid and be like, you know what that is, right? A moist. <laughs> We've talked about this. We've yeah. talked about this. It's already been explored. Um, but so, um, yeah, I went to a Catholic university. And when I got there, like I found out you couldn't buy contraception anywhere on campus. Abortion counseling was not a part of pregnancy care. You couldn't get plan B at the student health clinic. You couldn't even get any sort of hormonal birth control at the student health clinic. Um, yeah, you, you, yeah, you couldn't buy contraception. The school didn't give out contraception. Like, very different from Stanford, where, like, you could buy sex toys at school. Like, I'm just like, ah! But so, um, so that, I, I first was like, well, fuck that. So I joined this group called Hoyas for Choice, and we actually provided condoms on campus. Condoms and dental dams and lube and, like, information and having events and talking about abortion and all this stuff. Oh, wow. um, but it's Hoyas with an asterisk because when we were first founded, we were an officially recognized student group. And then alumni wrote to the Pope, and the Pope was like, I'm going to take away some of your funding if you, like, continue to recognize this group. Fucking insane. Anyway, so mine was the very Pope? much. Hope? Like, Actually, the Pope? That's what, word on the street. Word on the street. <laughs> I 
I mean, I just like for me, that's like a huge holy crap, you guys. Literally. Made, yeah, like you made like a huge impact enough that the Pope had to like respond. Like that's very. Well, exciting. I don't know if it's like the Pope himself who responded, I'm changing but like the they definitely that like he did. The, you know, the Catholic <laughs> institution as a whole. Um, yeah, so so that was like a whack thing. So my involvement was initially really reactionary. Um, and so I did that in college. And then when I moved to Los Angeles, I was an actor and I was like just thinking about myself and I was like, I have to do some sort of volunteer work or I will die and also be a terrible person. And so <laughs> I had trained to be a clinic escort in college, but like I had parties to go to and clinic escorting was like seven in the morning on Saturday. So I never actually did it in college. I had just trained to be. But so then I started doing it in L.A., and then through what that is experience, a I became. Escort? Oh, great question. So, um, clinics that pa- provide abortions, and even some who don't, just provide other reproductive health care services, but anti choice people like really don't know much about reproductive health care. So, they're targeted by protesters. So, these are people who are standing outside, um, either praying or holding up signs or like wearing bloody scrubs and like shouting lies and like basically trying to dissuade people from accessing the health care they're legally entitled to and that they want. And so and this happens even in Los Angeles. Sure. Like, this shit is, is everywhere. They also play, like, so, scre- tapes of, like, screaming children, which honestly makes me want to have an abortion. Um, yeah. But Same. Yeah, I, I guess that's a, a tactic. <laughs> no, they have, they have crying babies. They also have, like, songs. Like, there's this one that's like, Mother, let me live. Oh da na na Mother, oh let me God. live. It's, like, terrible. Um, it's very, and then it sticks in your head. Now it's going to be in my head for hours. Anyway, so I, and we also, so clinic escorts like walk patients into the clinic and we're like, you don't have to listen to these people. Let's talk about the weather instead. Oh my God, your shirt is so cute, blah, blah, blah. And we also make sure that protesters aren't trespassing. And if, you know, there's a need for legal involvement, like, yeah, but we have a very strict non-engagement policy. Sorry, people are shouting outside. New York is fucking crazy. What are they protesting? Something not yours. Whatever. Oh, I think it was some sort of sports cheer because now people are (laughs) cheering. (laughs) Sports something. Anyway, so I became a clinic escort and I really got involved in that organization and loved it very much. And then I joined this other organization called um, uh, Access Women's Health Justice where you provide practical support to people who are getting procedures. Can you hear this? Yeah. What do we want? Something. There's know, protesters something. outside. Sorry, I just don't want to be. I just don't want to. I, if it's picking up on the mic, like go in the bathroom or something. <laughs> what are they chanting? I'll see if though? they're walking away. If they're walking away, then I'll just wait. <laughs> There's like a protest or something happening. What do we want? When do we want it? Now. No. I can't hear it. I now. don't know. I think they're walking away. It's like I think it's like um, yeah. I think it's 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 retail folks protesting, which they should because like the way that we treat people who work in retail is abhorrent. Anyway, um, sorry. Back to back to our lambs. Uh, oh, that's not an expression in English. <laughs> I'm gonna stop talking about other random shit. Okay, so then I got involved with this organization called Access Women's Health Justice, which brings patients 
to and from their procedures because if you have in particular a second trimester abortion uh, in California and you go under you have to have somebody to check you out of the hospital Um, and a lot of people can't tell anybody that they're having an abortion or like nobody is available to take them because they can't take off time off work and so I got I was doing that and then no I was standing outside the clinic I was taking people to and from the clinic I just like really wanted to be inside and so that's how I trained to be an abortion doula. And then what? And I support people. So what does an emotion? Abortion sorry, that's very unclear. Doula, do. Yeah. So um, abortion. So I'm, the term is actually a full spectrum doula, which is a little bit of a misnomer. So as a full spectrum doula, I support the full spectrum of birth. Of sorry, as a full spectrum doula, I support the full spectrum of pregnancy outcomes, except for live birth. So abortion, miscarriage, and stillbirth. So that's what I do. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so basically it's providing continuous informational, emotional, and physical support to people having abortions typically, but I've also supported miscarriages and one stillbirth. And um, it's really just, I describe it as like being a vessel for someone's emotions and just kind of holding space for them to feel whatever they're feeling, but also helping them be their own best advocate. Because a lot of us feel really silenced in the medical system and like afraid to ask questions and afraid to speak up for what we want. And so really ensuring people that they're asking the questions they want, getting the answers they need, um, and any sort of support they need as well. That's incredible. I actually didn't know that 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 was a thing. Um, How, just out of curiosity, how does... What does your self-care look like around that? Because there's a lot of uh, holding space for other people, especially in tumultuous times that are yeah. like very emotional. Yeah, well, well, I, w- I was also really privileged in that when I was doing it at its most, I, it was when I was a, f- a full-time actor. And so I actually have... In my experience, I had a lot of free time because I kept my time for open for auditions and bookings and was fortunately like being sustained financially through my work. And so um, I would I only really did it probably about I, I went in on Monday mornings for like the entire morning because that's when they're doing it. And then I guess afterwards, I never really thought about the self-care specifically to doing the doula work mm-hmm. because I do do a lot of work in that space generally like I'm just like constantly surrounded by um abortion and like I don't and not in like a negative way at all like a lot of people don't have negative experiences um but yeah I mean I think it is important I'm really fortunate in that I get to have a near daily yoga practice and to be clear I'm not actually able to do it right now I'm going to start up again soon hopefully but I was not able to maintain being a doula I supported some people from like afar um like on the phone and via FaceTime and whatever um but but yeah, so self-care for that. That's a really good question. I maybe should have an actual answer because no, I, I couldn't. I guess curious. it's just like, like, I mean, I guess I guess my self-care generally is like yoga and like orgasms and champagne. I think orgasms are really powerful. <laughs> Truthfully, like we don't put enough emphasis on those. But I guess it's, it's interesting you answer the question like that because I think that almost points to something that I – didn't even highlight or I was looking at sort of the negative aspect of a potential abortion or the emotional sort of gravitas that we put onto it but I think what you highlighted was absolutely correct is that it doesn't have to be a bad experience and that it doesn't have to be that big of a deal and so I think if you're cultivating that kind of space then it doesn't even have to be like this big self-care sort of aspect. Yeah, that, that's a really good point because the ones that are very emotionally draining, right, are, are obviously 
when it's a when it's a wanted pregnancy and something mm-hmm. happens, right? So um, when when it's a miscarriage or you know you find out in the you know at the at your eighteen in your eighteenth week that like your fetus is not going to survive as a baby outside the womb, and so like do you put yourself bringing that pregnancy to term and like having a stillbirth, or do you have an abortion? So those ones are really hard. And then another really hard one is. Um, God, this makes me so sad. Um, when people show up too late and they like can't get one because they didn't know they were pregnant or they were denied an abortion for so long mm-hmm. by other physicians. So like the limit in California is 24 weeks. And so if you show up at 24 and one, like we have to turn you away. Oh. And for a lot of people, it's like, I mean, except in the case of fetal anomaly, but um, so especially like teenagers who don't really know anything about their bodies or people who really, really, who are really, really stressed out and like just don't get a period generally because they're so stressed. Like just, like we're always like, how did someone not know they're pregnant? It's actually surprisingly common. And that's coupled with like the absolutely shitty sex ed that we have in this country. Absolutely. Um, and so, so that, that's the really hard stuff. But, you know, often what I'm doing is I'm supporting someone taking control of their life mm-hmm. and saying like, I know what I want to do and it's not this right now. And, like, I'm just holding their hand and, like, stroking their forehead, like, through the discomfort and pain. And, like, obviously people cry because it can be an emotional experience, but it's not inherently bad. Yeah, totally. Um, And then in terms of where – do you want to share where you grew up? Um, You don't have to. (laughs) I grew up in France, actually. Oh. So, yeah. What's the sex education like in France? So I was actually thinking about this, and it's not – I don't remember it being that great. Like, I remember having it in fifth grade, like, about, about like, anatomy and, like, getting sex explained to us, like, penetrative sex explained to us in fifth grade. And I will never forget, like, the teacher gave the presentation and this one guy raises his hand and he goes, excuse me, um, excuse me, madame, like, why do people scream sometimes when they're having sex? And she, and my teacher just, like, doesn't say anything and I just pipe up and I go, because it's ecstasy. <laughs> so you were getting Not your sex really. ed from home, mostly. <laughs> well, but my parents didn't really actively talk too much about, like, sex pleasure. I mean, I, basically, my sister got a lot of the books when she turned 10. And so I was 7, and I just, like, read them all. Mm-hmm. So so I, I guess I did. So maybe I just didn't pay attention because I knew a lot about it. But, I mean, we did have condoms available at, in high school. Um but I don't remember anything after that fifth grade class. I mean, we obviously did it in, like, a biological sense, but I don't know how much we talked about, like, preventing pregnancy or STIs now that I think about it. Interesting. Which is the main focus of the United States education if it's not right. just abstinence-based. Right. Right. And Nicoletta talks a lot about, and as, as do most of our guests, and I do too, talks about comprehensive sex ed yeah. as including not only pleasure, but something that Nicoletta brought up once, like, emotional elements yeah. of sex. Oh, and supporting that. One and like big how to co- conversation we've had is like talking about communication and boundary setting and relationship in terms of like sexuality and that that is like a huge thing that's lacking within our education and any kind of conversation that we have with kids in like a broader spectrum. Actually, the California uh, sex ed laws have changed and all so the California public schools, they have to incorporate pleasure, they have to incorporate LGBTQ, they have to incorporate consent and communication and masturbation um, and just 
all of this stuff now. When did that? It's really interesting. Do you know when that got passed? That's new information. I think 2016. Oh, interesting. It's re- it's really been rolled out in the last two years. Very cool. But yeah, that's and, huge. But I wonder like how enforceable be... that is and who's teaching it. Yeah, and what it looks like. Well, that's the thing is like it's 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 being monitored and it's about like teaching teachers like training teachers like what they have to be doing and it's super because they know they get the curriculum and they just have to do it and but what's really interesting is before sex ed in california uh used to be opt in and now it's opt out ah i love that Mm -hmm. cool Mm -hmm. um so just to follow up then with the podcast and sort of your journeys um individually outside of it like how has speaking about it publicly and visibly Mm. Changed your experience in just like everyday life or like with sex and sexuality on your own? I mean, I I think I've always talked about it. Yeah. Um, so having an additional platform doesn't feel particularly different, okay. but I think it, I have been influenced because sometimes I have to limit what I say because now I know that when I'm talking about it, um, my clients are listening. Oh, sure. Um, so I don't like advertise it to my clients unless I think there will be an episode that's like particularly helpful for them. Um, but I have to assume that like clients or potential clients uh, are listening. And so sometimes, I mean, I, I'm still pretty straightforward, but I won't always go into like full detail because sure. I don't want it to necessarily like negatively impact the therapy or just. I don't know. It's like an ethical boundary that I've created for myself. I think what's been different for me, though, is just to get more exposure to different kinds of people. And there's always more to learn. So just continuing to remind myself that there's more that that I can learn and, and challenge myself on. So whether that be about, I don't know, our ability to be more inclusive and diverse in like who we have on. Mm -hmm that helps me bring it back to the clients that I'm seeing. And so for me, it just gives me more perspectives and more information that I can use in my practice and and for my life. Amazing. And for you? Yeah, I mean, this podcast has had a huge impact on, on on, on my sexuality, absolutely. I have grown so much more I've been able to meet so many people who are so willingly who are so willing to talk candidly about their sex with us Mm -hmm. that it gives me both aspiration and tools to be able to explore those things and talk about them and so I have really I, I mean I think I had I was pretty good at like enjoying sex <laughs> before and talking about things. But I think I've become, I've become even, I, I, I've, I've been given the words to say the things that I felt and tried to communicate, like actively expanding what sex means and like saying it out loud that sex is not penetration. Like it can be, but it's not. And that's something that I've always felt like penetration is fine and feels good, but it's like not like very rarely is what makes me come. Like I can count that on one hand how many times pen- just penetration alone ha- or internal stimulation alone has made me come. But so just kind of thinking about how I think about sex and what are will what are what are appropriate expectations to have and like what can I say like I expect it to be okay for me to say this to you and if it's not then like either that's something that we need to work on or you're not a person that Mm -hmm. it will go well for and then just in terms of like exploring like various like kinks or something like hearing people say it making it accessible like finding out how people go about exploring parts of their 
sexuality or fantasy that might be more buried out of shame um, or pain or fear. And then also just like coming to terms with my own sexuality. Like I came out since the podcast started. Really? Like it's really interesting. If you – like if we listen to episodes that we recorded very early on in the process, I refer to myself as like the stupid straight girl. Like I wanted very much to like not be straight or I I don't know. I just felt like very – I don't know exactly the words to use, but I finally like laid into this like realizing that I wanted – other things and that I had kind of never like allowed myself to experience mm. and then yeah that's amazing I've, I actually feel mm-hmm. really similarly because um, I've talked about like I had a lot of first experiences like just in the six months that we've been doing this um, like with women or in like group situations um, and even talking about it felt like so scary and vulnerable and that like a big thing that's come up for me is when I talk about this stuff like does my label have to change because what I perceive other people will think? Mm. Um, And so that's been like a really big component of like, do I have to like, does anything change in me because other people are going to perceive something differently? Um, So yeah, it's, that's been really interesting. And also just even talking about being vocal about like what I want and, and finding partners that match me there, like what is appropriate or expectations is like a huge journey that I'm on right now too. And hearing people talk in a greater capacity about what they're comfortable with or how they go about it is empowering. And then, terrifying when I get into the moment and have to navigate it and be like, okay, I'm stepping into something new, but yeah, it's been interesting. And I, so I didn't, I would talk with people about sex, but not in, in a very superficial way. And so because of this podcast, like I bartend as well. And I, everybody that comes to my bar, like we talk about You're sex. their therapist. Also. Yeah. Like yeah. we all of a sudden, like, like so many more conversations where it's like the second you give somebody permission to actually broach mm-hmm. that subject, they want to dive in immediately. Oh yeah. They just unload. They, yeah. They're just like, they're- I know, we get emails <laughs> and we like, I mean, we like and value. We it. love yeah. them. There are certain times where I um, like, don't want it. Like I was in line for waiting for a movie at Sundance and you know, I told the woman what I did and the conversation basically ended with her saying she didn't love her husband anymore (laughs) and crying in the line. And I was like, this is, let me give you some referrals to some people (laughs) in your area. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm going to go watch a movie now. (laughs) Yeah. It was nice to meet you. (laughs) There's some times where it's like opens, like they say never to, in my profession, never tell someone what you do on a long flight. Yeah. Oh God. No, absolutely not. You're like a writer or something that's that does And then they're like, well, you'd probably know about this. And then it's like, yeah, like, like just say insurance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 30 years Something of trauma. Something really boring that they don't want to talk about. Right. And I'm like, I mean, I love hearing people's stories, but sometimes, you know, I'm not in the space and I'm and I charge for that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no, it's true. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Here? When you said I used to talk about sex a lot in a really superficial way, what does that mean? So I had like a really heteronormative sort of Disney-esque view of what sex and relationships were. And so (laughs) um, I have a Disney mug right here and I'm also obsessed with Disney. But that's a side note. Um, (laughs) You need to meet our friend Randy because she loves Gilmore Girls and Disney too. I'm mostly obsessed with Disneyland like as far as what they create and put out into the world I'm not necessarily sure about it anymore Uh, (laughs) I have a lot of issues but the land itself reminds me of childhood and makes me happy Um, but so uh, the way that I would engage was on like this very sort of um, 
this level of like I accept you but I'm sort of judging it and scared and I want to put labels on other people so that it makes me feel comfortable that I'm not dealing with my own shit that it's bringing up and we're just talking about penetrative sex and we're talking about Mm -hmm. really fulfilling like a male fantasy um, and also like the male gaze like really playing into that and I think that that was like a lot of the conversations that I was having and so now they've dramatically shifted as I've taken ownership more of my own sexuality and listened and engaged with people who are doing the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the podcast has really shifted my vocabulary in the way I speak. Like, I know that now I no longer ask people if they have sex. I said, did you do sex stuff? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I... Because, like, I don't know what they consider sex, you know? Right, and and the idea of, like, virginity, I've, I've abolished <sighs> that entire... Because, like... It makes no sense. <laughs> it's just like absolutely absurd. Um, yeah, so it's shifted like quite a bit in that way. Um, if that makes That's sense. Great. Yeah, we actually have an episode with actually Ashley I from The Bachelor oh, called cool. The Scarlet V, where we like talk about a lot about virginity and like what it means to have this like concept of virginity like scrutinized yeah. nationally. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, that must have been so interesting. Um, well. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to both of you. We have, I have so many millions of more questions, but um, we're a little bit at time. But how do people find you? How do people find the podcast? I know there was a little bit of issue, I guess, with the platform, but it's back up and running and accessible through iTunes. Yeah, we, we did have an issue with uh, iTunes, but we are back on. If you want to like follow what happened with that saga, it's it's on our It Instagram. wasn't a technology thing. Expl- explain it. In, it sounded like it was like a technical issue. Oh. No, it was like <laughs> it a... Was a, it was a censorship issue and a sex shaming issue. Um, we did an episode about it, so you can yes. find it on iTunes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Um, yeah, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever, Google Play. Um, otherwise, you can follow us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Slut Scholars. And I know I said sometimes we're not in, I'm not in the mood to like hear people's traumas, but we do love getting your stories sure. <laughs> sent to our email and any, email. And any emails at Sluts and Scholars at Gmail dot com. Amazing. Well, thank you. Also, follow yeah. at Ms. Heidegger on Instagram, which is Nicoletta's own page. Um, say that again, Miss Heidegger. Oh, sorry. No, yeah. I was just saying, also, Nicoletta has her own personal, yeah. professional gram and life at NicolettaVHeidegger.com and Ms. Heidegger on Instagram. Yeah, Simone, my yes. publicist. Yes. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for having us. Yes, thank you so much for being here and for figuring it out digitally and, uh, yeah, in person, which is awesome. Likewise. Um, yeah. Yay! Woohoo! Yay! Yay! We did it. Oh, we did it. It was so good. And we got technology to work. So well, far. It was so far. I mean, I guess we'll see. If, you, if we didn't get it to work, you won't be hearing this. That's so. true. <laughs> we can assume it worked. Yeah. Um, Simone and Nicoletta, thank you so much for um, sharing your time with us and your wisdom and your beauty and your grace. Uh, and and just I just really I had like the best time speaking with both just of you. Felt like friends catching up. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So as always, you know, one thing I have to say, I've been listening to our episodes. And I say um a lot, and Do I'm you? trying to stop, and it's, it's hard, difficult. Yeah. Okay. So let's try that again. So that's a focus. Okay. Let's try it. no no ums for the rest of no this. no ums for the rest, for the rest of this outro. Okay. Let's see what you got. So. 
please, as always, follow us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Finding My Yum Podcast. Did you say yum then? I mean, um, I, I was trying to do a bit yum. and I messed it uh. up. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Yeah, I screwed that one up. I'm gonna edit this out. You are no, no you not have to keep it in. You have to keep it in. So uh, at finding my yum podcast at gmail.com. That's the email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then please subscribe to us. And like, rate, and leave a comment. And send us an email. Wow, I'm going like, can't. It's totally derailed everything that's happening. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.